Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's game night. It's not just any game night. I mean, we're at the point now where there's football every night of the week if you're into action. But it's a battle of ranked teams. A local team and a regional rival. Ninth-ranked BYU, 21st-ranked Boise State on the blue turf where the Cougars have lost five in a row. They're 0-5 all-time at Boise State. And if you add in everybody else in the state, then it's 0-16 over the last 24 years, dating back to an Aggie win in 96. The Utes lost up there once. BYU's lost up there five times. Utah State's lost up there ten times. Nobody can win on the Smurf turf. Does that all change tonight? All right, we got you covered here in this first hour. We got a lot of Cougar talk. Got some, got some uh, NBA and NFL talk as well. Uh, we're going to start, though, with Troy Warner, BYU uh, star defender. Will he follow his brother to the NFL? His brother got shaken up last week, but came back into the game, avoiding the mega injuries that are haunting the Niners. Uh, but that's a question for another day with Troy. The question right now is, you know, how do you beat Boise State? And here's Troy with the media. With everything that this game could mean for you in terms of postseason and things like that, is it better for you guys to embrace the enormity of what's on the line, or is it better to downplay it so that you don't get overhyped for a game like this? I mean, I don't even look at it like that, honestly. This is this is a you know another game on the schedule, and 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 to to buy to to try and get caught up in all the hype and 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 all that, it, you know, it, it could throw you off your game. And so we, we're just taking it as another game. And uh, obviously Boise is a, another rivalry team for us, and it's always fun playing there, the atmosphere. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting. This is an exciting time, and, and we're going to prepare the right way. Um, I know it's a short week, but we're going to do what we can and do what we have to do to come prepared and, and, and come ready for a dogfight. Well, what do you see from uh, Boise State's offense when you're looking at looking at them? And and uh, obviously they you got you know how hard are they to prepare for when they got you know tight ends running sweeps and all the different stuff they do? Yeah, like you said, the the fact that they're uh, they can do a lot of different things, the checks, the motions, the uh, the kind of just things to make your eyes go everywhere. We, we've got to be really eye disciplined and, and be very uh, assignment sound against them. Um, and, you know, and every year we play them, they're a tough team. They're physical. They're fast. They got athletes. Um, they got talent at basically every position. And so the fact that, uh, um, you know, the fact that they're, that they're doing well this year and, and we're doing well this year, it's, it's made for a big matchup and, and we're excited. We're, we, like I said before, we live for these moments and, um, you know, we're just ready for ready for a good a good game. Building off that a little bit, Troy, what are your memories of playing these games against Boise? You're a senior now. I know you haven't played in all the games during your career at BYU against Boise, but what are your memories of those games? Uh, <clears throat> just, I mean, just big time firepower. Just like I said before, a dogfight. Um, I mean, the first game that comes to mind was when we were playing playing there on the Smurf surf and, and uh, playing with Fred and him getting his pick six and that going on Sports Center and all that kind of stuff. Dying getting his pick six and you know just those moments and 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 you know there's always good stuff when you play Boise. Uh, they're one of the, one of my favorite teams to play. Um, so there, it's like I said before, it's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, Troy, how important is the the mental side of the preparation for this week's game going to be on, on short practice and kind of eliminating the the mental side of, you know, not winning on the blue turf yet? How, how important just the, the mental aspect and preparation this week for this big game? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest thing is control. You got to control or control what you can control. And, um, you know, what, what we can do is just put our head down, grind as hard as we can, do all the little things right this week. Um, and, and with the short time, you do even try and do even a little extra when we can uh, to make sure that we're as prepared as possible for Boise State. Um, you know, we're we're excited uh, and uh you know that's that's the most that i can say for we're just we're really excited and and uh, can't wait for the game troy this kind of builds off that a little bit but a big reason i think for sort of that short week and all of that is the the ncaa's new rule um to keep election day free for you guys so you can vote and get out in the community and that kind of thing what what does that mean for you as a player to kind of have that day set aside and and have you guys done anything up to this point just sort of discussing issues and and just being involved in the community and that sort of thing is, is there stuff that you've done to kind of utilize that day, even from a non football perspective? Um, you know, it, that, that's a, that's a tough question. I, I don't know if I can pinpoint any one thing. I mean, most of these guys, we live and breathe football. And so for me, like the only thing on my mind is football and, and what can I do to, to help the team to, to better myself. I mean, this stuff goes through my head 24 uh, seven and I, I, I just can't think about anything else really. But, um, you know, we respect that that day is, that, that day is made for the elections and, and we, we, you know, we encourage everybody to vote. So uh, we, we respect it. Troy, uh, one one team has played seven games. The other team has played two. You'll probably rarely ever see that. Uh, does that give one team an advantage or not? And why or why not? No, I, I don't see. I don't see it in that way. Um, you know, one could argue that that uh, you know we have more game experience because we played more games. One could argue that they're fresher because they played two games. I I mean, at the end of the day, this, it it has nothing to do with, with the outcome of this game. Both teams are going to, are going to prepare the right way. um, Or they're going to do everything they can to, you know, give us, give us their best shot. And we're going to do everything we can to give, give them uh, the best version of us. And uh, that's, what's going to make this game special in in a dog fight. And uh, uh, like I said before, I can't wait. There's Troy Warner with the media. When we come back, former BYU linebacker Brian Keel. There are a couple of trends that are powerful, and they're about to collide. And how does that play out? We'll ask Brian next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Zero Res. Put your best foot forward with the Zero Res cleaning before the holiday season. Clean in November, make a food donation to Zero Res, and they'll clean a fourth room for free. Forwards or backwards, Zero Res is the right way to clean. Call them at 801-288-9376. Time to welcome in the former BYU linebacker, Brian Keel. Brian, good morning. Hey, good morning, as always. Brian, I need your help. I got to make a pick. I need right. some brilliant insight. 
you know, it's easy for me, and PK knows this because he's heard me do it a million times, it's easy for me to go with uh, what I have seen before, you know, trends that have held over a long period of time, stick with those as opposed to, you know, picking based on some, you know, spur of the moment kind of deal. So I got this one trend that says BYU's figured it out. They got a quarterback that the NFL likes. They got a couple offensive linemen, maybe more than a couple, but at least a couple the NFL likes. They got an NFL defensive lineman. They're going to control the line of scrimmage. They're going to make a good quarterback play. They're going to do what they've done all year. They're going to win again and go to 8 now. And then over here, I got the Boise State program has it figured out over 20 years. They've lost like nine home games. They haven't lost anybody from the state of Utah in 25 years at home, 24 years at home. They are, they've won 16 in a row against the Aggies, Utes, and Cougars, and five of them against the Y. Why in the world wouldn't I pick the Broncos? These two things are button, button heads in my mind. What do you think? <clears throat> Man, I... <laughs> I'm 100% with you on both of those. Uh, I don't know what to make of it. I, I'll tell you what I hope. <clears throat> I hope BYU, um, I hope the, the players realize the opportunity that's ahead of them. I mean, this is the biggest chance that the program has had in 20 years. And <clears throat> it all comes down to tomorrow night. And it's just it's the whole thing. And, I mean, it doesn't, if they lose tomorrow night, the season's not over. It's uh, nothing like that. Like, you know they could lose tomorrow night, and this will still be a fantastic year. That being said, what a win tomorrow night gives the program is absolutely invaluable. There's just no way to weigh how how much it does for us and how how much uh, <clears throat> improvement it will help us in recruiting and money and exposure and, and et cetera. So, given those things, I'm going to say that our guys, because of all the things that you just listed, they take care of business. And they eke out a close, tight, hard-fought win up there in Boise tomorrow night. Great. <laughs> For talk radio purposes, we would love to see that. Uh, obviously, uh, the more the local teams win, the better it is for us and our business and, and everyone's concerned about their own financial well-being for sure. So we have a vested interest in watching BYU win, not necessarily from the fan perspective, but uh, for other reasons. So in, in my mind, I view this as a really a, just a seminal moment in Kalani Sataki's coaching career because you can't say, ah, well, they'll be here again potentially because given the schedule that they play and they normally play in a non-pandemic year, obviously, it is so difficult to even just get to October undefeated because they play one of the top, if not the top schedule in the first month of the season in the entire sport of college football. So I don't know when they're going to be 7-0 and again. So in terms of going 8-0, and they may never at least in the next whatever years, have this opportunity. So from all those things that go into it, too, and I wanted to get your thought on this because when you think about we were talking about this earlier in the week, Brian, say they go 8-0. and zero. Well, they got two games scheduled next. We don't know what's going to happen. Should they add a game? Maybe, possibly. But we know they got North Alabama. We know they got San Diego State uh, ahead. And so 8-0 and zero, pretty much figuring the rest of November you only play North Alabama, that buys you another four weeks of every week being in the national conversation. And look what that's done for Utah the last couple years. Because in November, even though they didn't get to the playoff, they in November, everybody's talking about them. Good or bad, should they be in, should they be out? You will get that if BYU wins this game 
on Friday. That's another reason, and I think it's an underreported reason why this game is so huge because the Cougars will be in the national conversation minimally for another month. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Like in terms of just opportunity, it just it can't be overstated what's at at, at stake here and how big of a game this is and just how how much we, we have to have it. And and yeah, you, you, you said it, you know, going undefeated it's 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 hard. It, it's it's hard to do. And when you have a chance to do it, you gotta take care of business. And you look at the last twenty years, <clears throat> Utah's done it twice, um, Boise's done it. TCU did it before they joined uh, the, the, the a, a big conference. Um, uh, Hawaii did it. Um, you know, there, there's a bunch of programs that have done it, and BYU hasn't done it. That's one of the things we haven't done in the last 20 years. Um, you know, we, we were close in in uh, the, the Luke Staley, Brandon Doman. You know, if our defense wasn't so terrible that year, and if Luke doesn't get hurt, maybe we do it that year. Um, in 96, they were close. They stubbed their toe up in Washington. <clears throat> um, anyway, close close doesn't count. you got to do it. And this is our chance. And, and like you just said, this might be the best chance we ever get. And, and going undefeated once helps you do it again because it boosts your recruiting, it boosts your exposure, it boosts your dollars, which helps everything. And so again, yeah, this is just this is just this game is so big. It just you can't even put it into words. So recruiting has changed since you were recruited, but that doesn't mean that you don't know some younger folks going through it and all that. Can you really for the people who've never been through it, a month until the next big game, the next test, assuming that, you know, there isn't another game added to the schedule. But a month, how many potential athletes is uh, is the BYU coaching staff going to reach out to in that point? Plus, how many times is Kirk Herbstreit going to use the letters BYU uh, in order uh, on ESPN and what impact that has on recruiting? I mean, how much is the average 16, 17-year-old going to get hit with the Cougars if if they, if the Cougars win this game? Yeah, exactly. And, that, yeah, and yes, it has changed. Recruiting is a whole different universe now than what it was 20 years ago when I was getting recruited. And um, it's, I mean, it's the full-court press now. And, you know, for better or for worse, this generation of kids that are in high school right now that are coming out, um, they're different than my generation. They're different than your generation. They're different than those of us who came before. Um, you know, they love the hype and the social media and exposure and look at me and and the videos of uh, press conferences of announcing who, where they're going and their commitments and all that crap, because I, I think a lot of it is crap, and I'm, I'm not for that part of it. But, but like I said, for better or for worse, that is how it is right now, and that is a lot of what drives these kids and their decision-making and where they're going to go play college football. And so, yeah, the more exposure BYU, the more mentions, the more – social media engagement, the, the more tweets, the, the more ESPN posts, and, and on and on and on. That all just builds the, the – the, it, it, it expands our net. And, you know, there's, there's a certain size to, to the potential recruits that we can get. And if we can increase that net, then statistically it's going to increase our talent and you increase your talent and you, you, you just have a better opportunity to win games. And it just – it all adds to each other. So, yeah, this this next month, I mean, it's just this is it. This is 
like I said, we can lose and it's not the end of the world. Don't head for the cliff, all, all that stuff. That being said, I mean, this is, this is the, the greatest opportunity, at least in the last 20 years, maybe the last 30 years that BYU's had. So, from the BYU perspective, what concerns you about the potential to win this game? Um, so, you, <clears throat> Boise, you, you, I mean, some of the things that you guys elaborated on. So, they've only lost a handful of games at home. They're they're so hard to beat up there. Um, I mean, we've had, you know, three games won basically up there and and crapped our pants with a missed field goal. Uh, 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 two-point conversion and, and then running out of time two years ago. I mean, we've had our chances and we've haven't got it done. They're, they're a well-coached football team. They have good players. They play hard. They're, they play smart. They play very well at home. It's a tough place to play. They, they don't lose there very often. They're a great program, one of the winningest programs in college football in the last 20 years. And so all of those things stack up against us. And they, the things that go in our favor are – our quarterback, who's just playing on another level right now, all those players that you you uh, you mentioned, um, the the team, you know, they I think that hopefully they realize the gravity of this moment, and you know, in the last couple of years, one of the things that Kalani and staff have done is they've played well in the big games, and and so you know, it's the, it's the lesser games where they've they've underperformed, and so for those reasons, you know, that's that's what gives me hope. You know you just made the promo for the day for the show, right? I don't. What, what's that? When you said when you said we've had our chances but we've crapped our pants. Yeah, that that's the promo. <laughs> that's going to play another 30 or 40 times. That's uh yeah, yeah. Quote it. Quote it. That's <laughs> accurate 100%. <laughs> uh as a defensive guy, how much did you care? I, I guess it would depend opponent to opponent, quarterback to quarterback. But in this case, how much does it matter to the BYU defense who the quarterback is for Boise State? They're, they're trying not to say it and not tip their hand. Both guys have performed well in the game they played this year. Does it matter that much? Yeah, so, I mean, it's funny because I, I have a different answer depending on which hat I'm wearing. So, if I'm wearing the hat of Brian Kill player who's going to be in the game, you know, bring it. I want I want the best. I want everything that you have. I want it to be legit. I don't want any asterisks. I don't want any oh but I don't want any of that. I want everything they have. I want to mono we mono, let's go and I'm going to beat you. That's my mindset as a player. Okay? As a fan, <laughs> it's it's not that way. Because as a fan, I can't control it. I'm not on the field. I'm not. There's nothing I can do. I just. I'm helpless to just sit there and watch. And so, as a fan, it's funny because it's kind of different. It's. 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 Yeah. Oh, oh, that guy's hurt. Oh, it doesn't break my heart. Or that guy's sick. Or or whatever the situation is. That guy can't play. Oh, great. That gives us a better chance to win. And so, I mean, just be, me being a hundred percent honest. Um, depending on which hat I'm wearing, I have a different answer. And so for the players on the team right now, it's probably similar. Different guys feel different about that. So as you say so eloquently about crapping your pants, which you know, isn't eloquent, <laughs> it's rather descriptive, uh, with that in mind, what's different about this team? I think from the beginning of the year, one of the things that has – that has made me impressed and has given me pride is the sense of urgency, the emotion, 
and the attention to detail that they've played with. Um, you know, there's there's just been a, a noticeable increase in those areas. Um, guys flying around, excited, you know, pumped up, supporting each other, um, effort on defense, um, the little things on offense, downfield blocking, not a lot of penalties, um, you know, clean football. Not We haven't had the turnovers like we have in years past. And even, even the turnovers that we've had, like, you know, um, Wilson's playing phenomenal. He's got two picks, and honestly, I don't think either of them are his fault. Um, I think this pick in the last game, you know, I was talking to Robbie Bosco the other day, and both of us agreed. We think we think it was just a miscommunication between him and the receiver. I don't know that, but that's what it looked like. I, I honestly don't think that it was a bad throw. Um, it's, my point is there's just all these little things that have plagued us in the last couple of years that are improved this year. And so those are the things that give me hope, that give me pride, in the program that I love, win, lose, draw, um, and that that give me a, some confidence for tomorrow night. So then, do you attribute a lot of that to the way they lost those games last year? To uh, after after beating Tennessee and USC and Boise State, that they could also that same team could also lose to a seven and six South Florida team and a seven and six Toledo team and an eight and six Hawaii team that that's what's powering this, that they realize we should have been a 10-win team last year. We didn't tighten down on the details, so we're doing it this year? That's what I hope. So the the optimist in me that looks for the silver lining, um, you, you know, the way I look at things is you learn more from mistakes than you do from success. And that's just that's, – that, that's not just sports and football. That's everything in life. Um, mistakes – sting and you you have you 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 can learn you can learn more from them if you allow if you allow it to happen and so the hope is that that those ugly losses last year that they lit fires under these kids in the off season and that they worked harder than they would have otherwise that they they learned they learned um principles and concepts that they otherwise wouldn't have and the combination of all of those improvements play out on the field this year um, to our improvement so that we're better off than we would have been if we would have eked out ugly wins in those games. Now, I don't know that that's the case, but, you know, like I said, the optimist in me, that's what, that's what I hope the kids take from it and how it translates this year. And, and so far, it kind of looks like that is the case, but, you know, that's the hope. What would be your defensive strategy against Boise? So, and it's kind of similar to what we've had success, you know, this year. Um, I think we're we're at our best when um, we're able to stop the run and 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 not give up the big play. Um, I I like when we have four man fronts and we're able to get some pressure because it's tough to get pressure with three. I like when we have four man fronts and and you know kind of the formula that 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 they've put out there that's done that's done us well is keep them in front of us, make them do sustained drives and don't give up the big one, play smart and, and make them make the mistake. And that's kind of what, what BYU's defense has been the last three or four years. And it's a good formula when you execute it properly. We don't always execute it properly, but we've done it pretty good this year. And, 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 and now we have a test because it's actually a, a legit team. They're not just a good team. They are a legit team. They are year in and year out. And so, now it's just a matter of, you know, we'll see if, how, how good the defense is. 
Brian Keel joining us, former BYU linebacker right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is there one area where BYU has a clear advantage than this area? They are going to dominate the Broncos, and this is how they can uh, – if they could write the script for a win, it would definitely involve this. I think it's the quarterback, and I think he's playing at such a just different level in so many ways that it, 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 what it does is it gives you a chance to win every game. And you can look in high school, college, and the NFL. I mean, if you don't have a, a guy there, it's tough to win. And when you do have a guy there, you, you have a chance to win any game. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You have a, at the end of the day, you have a chance when you have a guy there. And we got a guy, and he's, he's good, and he's playing at another level. He's clearly put in the work, and it's paid off. And there's just so many little things that he's doing well. He's throwing the ball accurately. He's making good decisions. He's not taking sacks. He's throwing it away when it's not there. Um, he, he scrambles when he needs to and gets yards. He's not turning it over. And he's just on and on and on. So I think, you know, if you, if you boil it down, I think that's kind of the, the edge that, that we have. Um, you know, we're not more athletic than them. We're not faster than them. Um, you know, we, so, and I think that's our edge is, is, that, is that position and, and that opportunity. He's Brian Keel. He's former BYU linebacker. He joins us every single week. And today he made the promo. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Always a pleasure, guys. Thank you. There's former BYU linebacker Brian Keel. When we come back, the Jazz, the Sale, and the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs with longtime Kansas City fan and Jazz TV broadcaster Craig Bullerjack. Next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're joined now by Craig Bullerjack. TV voice of the Utah Jazz and Kansas City Chiefs superfan. <laughs> hey, good morning, guys. You feeling good about this season? Well, I'd say as long as uh, you know we don't uh, the Chiefs don't find the injury bug or you know an issue with COVID, pretty impressive to be honest. I gotta be I gotta be honest. <laughs> I like their chances, but you never know. After fifty years of repeat, your head would explode. <laughs> Oh, I don't know what I'd do. Back-to-back? Are you kidding? Unbelievable. But that's a long way to go. Long way to go. Playoffs are tough. Playoffs are tough to get through. What's it like to be a Chiefs fan in that area? Because it's not a, you know, it's a big city, but it's also not a major metropolitan area by any stretch. Right, right. No, it's it's a close uh, close community, um, but it's growing, just like Salt Lake. KC's kind of a hidden gem. I know that people shake their head at me and go, are you kidding? It's the Midwest. But, you know, it's very hilly. It's very, you know, trees. Uh, I guess what, you know, people always tell me, like, how did you go to school at Kansas State? You know, and, and I said, well, it's really a gorgeous campus, and it's right in the Flint Hills. And Kansas gets a pretty, um, you know, bad shake for being flat and true once you get past junction city kansas you can put it on autopilot 
and basically take it into Denver. I mean, that's just a it's a straight shot down I-70, you know, westbound. But, I mean, it's a state of wheat and corn, uh, but the Kansas City area is unbelievable. I, I love it. Uh, it's hot, yeah, it's humid, absolutely. But you didn't know any better when you were a kid. Um, that's just the way it was when you went outside. You know, you knew you sweat, and a lot of it. But it's a tight, it's a tight sports community. I think there's kind of that same feeling in Salt Lake where – a little bit of us against them, um, you know, the, the non-believers that how could, you know, a, a team in Kansas City actually, you know, build a, a Super Bowl caliber team. But, you know, drafting uh, obviously has been a big, big factor. And then when you have a Patrick Mahomes like a Donovan Mitchell, you start to to land, you know, certain players that, that will fill the gaps. And that's what Kansas City's done with Mahomes, just good draft picks and a heck of a coach, man, Andy Reid is well-beloved in the NFL, and a lot of players love playing for him. So I think those are all the little keys that, that help any franchise, you know, rise back to the top. Who do you fear? I fear injury. Uh, I do, man. In this day and age, you know, you, you lose a Kelsey, you lose a Mahomes, uh, you lose uh, the Cheetah uh, and, and, and Hill, and, and all of a sudden you lose um, – you know, weapons. And I think that's one thing, too, that when I look around the NFL, you know, Brady in New England had so many weapons for so long. And then, you know, Gronkowski left and then, you know, has reunited with him in Tampa Bay. But you have to have those special those special players and connections, you know. Uh, and I think you find that with Mahomes and Kelsey and, uh, and Tyreek Hill. Um, I mean, it's just... They they've given Mahomes, as you know, guys, weapons to use to make his game at an elite level. I mean, he's had one pick. I'm just I just I'm looking at his stats: 21 TDs, and he's averaging over 300 yards. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, and he's able to roll out and slingshot a lot of footballs around the around the field. If you ever watch the Chiefs, I mean, you have to be impressed with this young guy. He he seems to be beyond his years in the ability to read defenses, and that's. That's the other part of it, too, is just, you know, that, that we all say IQ, football, basketball, you know, IQ. But definitely he, he has the ability to scan a field quickly. Uh, Alex Smith had it. Um, you know, I think obviously uh, Aaron Rodgers and, and uh, Brett Favre and Tom Brady, they're just special guys who can – and Tony Romo can tell you what's going to happen before it even happens when he's doing games with Nance. So uh, I think that's uh, another part of his game that sometimes is overlooked. I think Andy Reid here, what he did, what he has done with the Chiefs is one of the great building slash coaching management, whatever you want to call it, jobs, literally in the history of sports, because you look at where they were before yeah. he got there, and you look at where they are now, and it is just absolutely the ultimate impressive. And, and DJ can vouch for this. We've talked about this. It has always amazed me how franchises at the professional level build themselves because you look at college and if you got the interest in the money you know the Ohio states and alabamas of the world well you can understand why they're good you know they have a rabid fan base so much passion they put so much money into it but the pros you know basically things are even not completely but everybody has an opportunity to be good so not just specifically to andy but to see what he's done there is really remarkable and and you wonder, why do not franchises 
model themselves after the success because it seems like there's a recipe out there and if you follow it you should be able to have success and respond to that because it just it amazes me how some are consistently good like the Steelers year after year after year and here they are right now still undefeated and then other franchises seems like they suck all the time <laughs> there's a lot to that PK I tell you what I get and it's in college as well even more so now in the college ranks uh, it's just a rotation of, of coaches and the inconsistencies it's it's uh, general managers who try to take over the head coaching job and and coaches who try to be general managers you have to try to separate that if you can give me players that I that they know I can coach in my particular realm of offense and defense and you have to have the right coordinators who are going to go along with you it's it's not real hard I don't think I mean college is really left I think kind of gonna arrive because it's win now PK I think that's that's really what's happening especially in college is that you know back in the day you would say well of course you know you'll get a, a complete recruiting class that runs through and it's a four-year or five-year deal but you know how many how many coaches in the NBA and, and colleges and now in the NFL it's one and done if you can't make the turn and do it quickly your job is done so there's very little uh, patience and I think what you saw in Kansas City was they were totally bought in on Andy Reid after his days in Philly and they realized what he could do and the players bought in and he brought in the enemy Colorado running back and you know it's got a heck of an offense but yet he's got the tools right and they're willing to spend some cash look at the money uh, that they extended Mahomes and you know sometimes franchises are there for write-offs and not for championships and I think Kansas City made a big decision to go the opposite way, and that's to win. And I think they, they, you know, a lot of teams, you know, are competitive. And it's like the Jazz. What's the next step? That ne- that next step is razor thin from really good to excellent to, to contender to champion. And I think that the, the Chiefs made the decision to do that. And, again, you have to have some luck, right, uh, in, in the draft. And Mahomes just happens to be the right guy at the right time. And what Andy Reid has given him tools, but also – his system is is perfect for what for what Mahomes does, and I think a lot of coaches try to force their style or their offensive philosophy on players that don't fit what he's trying to do, and then you have have issues. I mean, my days with the Dolphins, uh, they had a rotating door of coaches down there when I was at CBS and working with Greasy and Bo Camper and Nat Moore. They all looked at me the same way and said, "You know, this just doesn't work. We don't have the players to fit Nick Saban's style or Dave Winstead." I mean, it was just always some sort of an issue and so you have to make the right decision on the coaches and he has to be smart enough to realize take advantage of the strengths you know the strengths that are on the roster and a lot of coaches the ego won't allow them uh, they have to force what they do instead of trying to adjust to the guys they have Craig Bowler Jack joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You bring up the role ownership plays. And I'm curious, uh, you know, it's probably too early, but that's never stopped us before. Never. No, uh, it has not. After 35 years of the Millers uh, owning, owning the Jazz, now Ryan Smith is going to own the Jazz. What changes do you anticipate, and on what timeline do you think we might see those changes? Well, you know, no, no conversation from the Jazz or from Ryan in, a de- in depth discussion until they they make the 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 sale uh real after the board of governors approve it which i don't see a problem by any means but 
you know, I mean, talking to him on the floor a few times, uh, he's energized. Uh, talking to him on a Zoom call, I found that he was even more so. Um, uh, he made it very clear that he wants his team to be at the highest of levels. That's all he knows. Uh, that's how he built his business. And, you know, he's kind of a – I would say he probably been mentored some by Mark Cuban because they're both, you know, tech guys who've made it big. And now, are, you know, both are NBA owners. And I think you kind of see what Cuban did with Dallas. And I think you saw loyalty with Dirk and the Mavs and Cuban. And championship came. And, you know, they're still incredibly talented team with Porzingis and Luka. And I expect Dallas to be right back in, our, you know, in the face in the West. So I don't see the Jazz backing off by any means. Um, you know, to Gail and Larry and the Miller family, you know, I give my thanks. Uh, I don't think this this city would be the same by any means without what the Millers did. And Larry went out and stretched his neck to build, you know, the what's then Delta Center and now Vivint Arena. I mean, think of the the impact they've had um, around one NBA franchise. Granted, it helped their businesses, but also just to have this team. Uh, I mean, change the whole fortunes of the state in so many ways and, and everyone surrounding Utah. So to them, I thank them. And, you know, for Ryan, I'm excited to see. Gail said it herself. You know, they went on a journey 35 years ago, and now it's time for Ryan and Ashley for their journey. And new blood, you guys have to you have to be honest. Sometimes it's, it's just time. I think Gail felt it. It was just time to hand it off and let uh, Ryan and Ashley take it. As I said, that is a razor thin, you know, one step to the next level. And it's either, you know, one player, it's one decision to do you jump the, the salary cap, do you take, you know, roll the dice. But you also have Donovan Mitchell, who's one of the most young, influential players in the league, and to use, use him as a recruiting tool to bring in players, but yet those players cost money. And how competitive can you be or will you be um, with Ryan, and that's what I'm kind of waiting to see how aggressive he'll be and and decisions he'll descend, to, to, you know, to make to, to Dennis and and Z Justin Zanuck on saying let's go, and that's what it takes from an owner is to say go and do it, and uh, we'll see if that happens or not. And free agency, which has to be, I mean, just around the corner. I think they're meeting as we speak uh, to make a decision on December 22nd and. and uh, December first training camps. You got about a week and a half or a week plus from from a draft, and then free agency is going to be a whirlwind. So there's a lot of ha- there's going to be a lot happening once the league and the players give their thumbs up on a restart or not restarting, but starting uh, this season, this new season, uh, the 2021 campaign. So I was thinking, and uh, you guys both chime in if you can come up with an example. I don't know in modern times has this this ever been done before where a a billionaire and we've had plenty of them and obviously they're astute business people man or woman whatever they might be but i don't know that a person has ever grown up a hardcore fan of a particular professional sports franchise and then turns around and owns that team cuban cuban mark cuban well, see, I don't know that he was a Dallas Mavericks fan for life. He's from Indiana. He started that broadcast mm, okay. thing so he can get Indiana Hoosier basketball games. So he was a season ticket holder, but right. that doesn't necessarily take him back to the age of seven or something. Right. Right. And, and, and you've got Ryan. Yeah. 
Yeah, like so, like Ryan admitted, right. Ryan thought he'd be a <laughs> Ryan thought he'd play for the Jazz, right? PK. I mean, he was a yeah. junior Jazz player, and then um, thought he'd you know be playing playing for Larry, but now he, he owns the team. Now I. These are special. You're right. I mean, Cuban would come to mind too, DJ. But you're right, PK, Indiana hometown, but yet was a huge basketball fan. And then you know, obviously, the tech money came in on a sale and was able to to, to purchase yeah. the average. And you got Balmer, you got Paul Allen, and these sure. guys are sports fans. Uh, maybe Paul Allen falls into the category with the Seahawks. I don't know uh, on that. But this is something that, uh, you know, I, I, Sarver down in Phoenix, I think, is a Tucson guy. Uh, and so maybe that goes into it. But obviously that hasn't gone well at all. <laughs> it's, they've had well, a, a, pretty, a pretty good franchise. P- it's just hit the skids. And, PK, you make a great point, though. Being a fan and then transitioning into an owner – I mean, let's talk about that. That that can be disastrous, but which also, is what it be, was exactly going to be my question to you. How do you think yeah. that will go? <laughs> well, you know what? When you go back, let's pedal back thirty-five years, and people don't realize Larry had never been to a game, and until he went right. with Sam Battistone, right? So, I mean, his fandom grew out of his ownership, and and we know there were some hiccups along the way, and he had to really pull himself back um, and understand that owners can't do and be that emotional. You know, we see it with Jerry Jones sometimes in Dallas, and uh, you know those those are you know you sit back and roll your eyes sometimes. But no, I think it's going to be a, a transition period too for Ryan because he set courtside just so our right when we used to set courtside in our broadcast positions with Greg uh, Greg Miller on many many nights, um, and that's where we had our chance just to say our hellos, but. I, that will be interesting, you know, because the love of a franchise runs deep. But if you own it, then I think you, of course, have to step back and readjust your fandom into ownership. And, you know, sep- if you can, you have to separate separate yourself and let Quinn do his job, let Dennis do his job. Now, look, you know, new ownership usually means – he's going to put his finger on this franchise in some way. Uh, you know, I don't see it. From what I understand, that's not the way he operates. He, he adjusts, he observes, and obviously with success, patience. So, uh, But he likes to get things done. And, and so that's going to be interesting to see the whole transition here this year, probably a, a season of, of, well, he's already, you know, PK, he's already watched the team, right? He's already probably in his mind analyzed everything and he knows the way the system works within the the jazz you know office so yeah maybe the transition just to ownership will be easier for him than an outsider but you're right i think you have to kind of pull back a bit when you own a team that you've loved since you were a kid um and that that'll be interesting to watch as well larry had to adjust and i'm sure ryan will do exactly the same thing yeah, I think a lot of the owners that you would talk about in that situation, PK, would be owners who knew they were going to inherit the team at some point, and that's kind of a different yeah. beast, you know. Right. Exactly. The, the yes. Bidwells yes. in Arizona, the Rooneys, yes. the Maras, right. even Hal right. Steinbrenner. I think he was like, yeah, five when his dad bought the team or something like that. Right. Well, the so Dolan we understand family, that. I mean, that's, that's a different deal. There. Yeah. Every time we go to New York, you know, fans in New York. I mean, there's no love affair there. You know, it's just it's the Knicks, and that's a stunning 
uh, situation in New York where you would think that would be one of the destination points in the NBA, but once you land, you don't stay, and the fans understand that. And it's uh, it's an amazing place to go and call a game from Madison Square Garden, but uh, the love affair with fans and ownership there is, uh, as we all know, is not is not the strongest. So, Bowler, with uh, this compressed free agency coming up, it seems like there are decisions to be made. I don't know when the Board of Governors is going to approve this sale, so I don't know how hands-on Ryan can be. But at the same point, given that he's apparently going to buy it, I don't know how hands-off he can be. Right. Uh, it's an unusual situation, and I don't know where I don't know where the line is. But you know, everybody talks about. Um, you know, the decisions that have to be made, there's really big decisions. They don't have a lot of money to send, but, you know, does Conley opt out and do they give him a two- or three-year deal and spread the money out? I mean, that that's a critical decision. And who's going to make it? How's, yeah. I mean, how is this going to play out? That's a, well, that's a lot of money to just turn the basketball people loose on. I think most of the people running clubs would be going to the owners saying, how do you want to handle this? Yep. No, I totally agree. I don't know how it's all going to be played out. You know, if there's <clears throat> the Jazz have always played it. You know, the rules to the nth degree. At least everything I've 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 known, and I think you two have covered this franchise for many many years. And I don't. It's 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 a tight look. How did how did the owner how did the sale not leak out? That tells me again just how tight lipped and how they do things. I mean, it goes all the way back to Scotty Layden and, and Kevin O'Connor, and now Dennis is that it's tight. What they've always done is protect the players, the ownership, and the franchise because the last thing they want is to have things jump out that aren't true, and then you you hurt players' relationships, et cetera, and you don't want to get in Dutch with, with the NBA, obviously, with a potential fine. So I don't know what the answer is um, on, on what. Maybe there's an understanding when he signed or signs the papers on what, what are gonna, what's going to happen. And there has to be some sort of a, of a, a knowledge of his spendability uh, compared to what the Millers were, were um, you know, willing to do. But you're right about decisions. Mike uh, comes to the forefront, Jordan Clarkson uh, re-signing him, and then obviously Donovan's extension. And the big one that's there that has to be addressed is do you go super max or do you convince Rudy that look will you're you know you're one of the highest paid centers or one of the highest paid players in the league there's only five or six right that are super max but do you want to win a championship and I know I'm smoking blowing smoke here but in reality would that extra money uh, of course bring you the title you so well you know deserve and want um, and does Mike Conley believe in that same process as he's aging and, and years are running out in opportunities? This is his best opportunity to win and get into a Western Conference final, I would think. Um, even Memphis was good, but not to this level. <clears throat> so we'll see how it works out. Players will have to make some big decisions, their agents, I guess, and the Jazz will have to work alongside that, but... Ryan does walk into one of the most interesting years in Jazz franchise history when it comes to, to spending and contracts, right? I don't know. There was always that summer of Malone when Larry and he were always uh, kind of feuding through radio waves about, you know, I'm underpaid and I'll never play for the Jazz again. I mean, it was always a summer of, of intrigue. But this will be interesting. There's not much time, DJ, as you said. I mean, these decisions, if they haven't been made, 
they're going to have to be made and, and made overnight. And as Dennis has always told us, there's always plan A through Z. So you check off one and move on to the next. And that's what good franchises do. They have to have plans. And I'm sure that that plan is those plans are very deep and pretty much uh, on a chalkboard somewhere and uh, well known by Ryan, uh, Ryan Smith as well. Well, Bowler, go Chiefs. <laughs> They're not on TV again because it's Carolina. I think people think that's going to be boring. I can't believe they haven't been on TV twice. They're on TV every week. Well, you know what, though? It's regional. As you know, mm. uh, when I was at CBS, I always looked at that uh, pie chart of you know how this, the country was chopped up. Ah, I got 11%. I tweeted out. I tweeted out for you every week, Bowler. I know. I appreciate that too, because I always look at that map. I go, not again. Come on. (laughs) But you know what? Also, is a bummer is the doubleheader rule. You know, when the the early game versus late, then the doubleheader on Fox or yeah, yeah. It's and sometimes it always gets caught that way. But remember, Midwest. We're in the West. It's all about the Broncos. So yeah, you're getting a lot of Chiefs games here. It's not as it's not as much about the Broncos as you used to be. You know, yeah. AFC West is getting some love, which yeah. is good. Yeah. But. Well, they got good teams. All right. Thanks, Bowler. We appreciate right, it. Talk to you soon. Here's Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.